Hello and welcome to the Gospel Everyday Podcast, following along with the Mariner's Church Annual Read. There is unlimited grace for us today, no matter what happens because of who Jesus is and what he has done. I'm John Thomas, and I'm your host for today. Let's begin by reading from Proverbs, a bit from chapter 3, chapter 16, and chapter 21. It says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. The violence of the wicked will drag them away, for they refuse to do what is right. Let's be honest. We all love a good revenge story. I mean, is there anything better than watching someone who was treated unfairly, getting back at their offender, giving them all that they deserve? I mean, we love revenge movies. I mean, John Wick, come on, Gladiator, uh, pretty much any Liam Nielsen movie ever created. There's just something that's so satisfying about retribution, about revenge. And, you know, we're all born with this innate sense of justice that when a wrong is committed, we have a good God-placed desire for it to be made right. Jesus follower or not, we can all agree that there is evil and brokenness in our world that should not be left unchecked. When we look at you know, child abuse and slavery and sex trafficking and, and genocide, these are things that we can't comprehend, but we know they are not right, and we know that there has to be justice for the evil that we see in our world. Well, as it is for any God-placed desire— In our brokenness, we have a way of twisting that desire and moving it inward away from a right God-centered view of justice and towards a justice that is subjective to our own bias and our own leaning. (laughs) And yes, we acknowledge that there is an intended order in which we should live and, and that when we deviate and we make unwise choices, that those choices have consequences, but we're all too quick to see and apply those consequences to others and not to ourselves. Our choices have consequences. I've experienced this uh, firsthand just a couple of months ago. I severely (laughs) rolled my ankle. Um, And for some context here, this wasn't while I was playing basketball or, or on a run somewhere. No, I was doing the Lord's work. I was passing out flyers, inviting people to church, and then I stepped off a curve and severely rolled my ankle. I it felt really bad in the moment. I felt nauseous. I knew that I had done something pretty bad here. And, you know, I decided it'd be a good call to to ice it for a day or two, to, to rest it. And then after a few days, I went back for a run and did some more exercising. And, and you know, it didn't get any better. And so... Another couple of weeks go by and my wife finally convinces me to, you know, you should probably go to the doctors and get an x-ray and, you know, found out that it wasn't broken, but that it was the ligaments were, were, were really messed up. And, you know, I came home from that and iced it again for a couple of days and, and then went back running again. <laughs> and you know how the story goes. It, it did not get better, which is why I am now in physical therapy. Now, I know you're listening and you're thinking, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what you get. That's what you deserve. That's what was supposed to happen. And I get it. I'm often the same way. I know that when I'm unwise, there are consequences. And that when I walk out a step of God's precepts and his loving guidance and care, that I can open myself up to to harm. Now, to be clear, not everything bad that happens in life is a direct cause of our unwise living. We need to understand that. 
Yes, that is true in many circumstances, but there are also things that are done to us that are outside of our will. There are things that happen in this world that are just a result of a broken world. So yes, sometimes it's our choices. Sometimes it's the choices of others. Sometimes it's just the state of our broken world, which is being renewed and being put back together. But if I'm honest, when I read the words from today's passage, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. And be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. The violence of the wicked will drag them away, for they refuse to do what is right. My first reaction is, that's right. <laughs> the violence of the wicked should be punished. And I conveniently skip over the first part. It says this, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. I may not think of myself as violent or entirely wicked, and so therefore this passage isn't talking about me. But the very thing that prevents me from seeing myself in this passage is pride. See, in my pride, I can think that the rules don't apply to me. In my pride, I can convince myself and others that the scales of justice will forever be tilted in my favor because of all the good things that I've done. I mean, I'm good. (laughs) I'm a nice, caring person. This isn't describing me. This is for those people. And even if I do mess up, it's not nearly as bad as the messes that others create. So I'm good, right? God, I want your mercy. God, I want your forgiveness. And you know, it's a little bit like this. I'm a huge fan of mercy when it applies to me, but a huge fan of justice when it applies to everyone else. Let me say that again. I'm a huge fan of mercy when it applies to me and a huge fan of justice when it applies to everyone else. So I need to acknowledge that my own pride is toxic, that it prevents me from seeing myself clearly, that it wants to drive me to a lack of vulnerability and isolation, and instead of sincerity of heart, instead of confession and repentance, where I yield myself to the work of the Holy Spirit to change me from the inside out, that I can convince myself that I'm okay that there is no problem, that there is no issue. So pride is a foundational issue. In order to live wisely, we have to see ourselves honestly. That is the deep work of spiritual formation and transformation. God, search me, know me. I think another one that often prevents us in our growth and to seeing ourselves truly is unforgiveness. We're just going for it today, guys. We're talking about pride and unforgiveness. (laughs) But when I harbor unforgiveness, I also carry this entitled sense of a vengeance where if God doesn't bring about vengeance in the way that I want it, in the time that I want it, in the way that I want it, that I'll just hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, which in the end only harms me further. It's so true what someone once said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. So I'm wise when I recognize and live out of the understanding that I've been forgiven, that my faith is built upon the profound and complete unmerited forgiveness of my heavenly father for whom I was at war with. Jesus's teaching is that as you say yes to the gospel, it results in Jesus throwing out the books on you. (laughs) And our call in return is that we would abandon the books that we have on others. That when we are hurt and wrong, we don't repay evil with evil. We don't give it back to the offender or play it out on 
rage with someone else, nor do we hold on to it ourselves and, and internalize it and form an identity around that brokenness, around that hurt, but know that we are called to forgive, to release it and give it to the only person who can actually change it, renew it and redeem it at the cross of Jesus. Now, forgiveness is never easy. C.S. Lewis once famously said that everyone thinks forgiveness is a good idea until they have to do it. And anytime we talk about forgiveness, we have to be clear, whether on a podcast, a conversation with a friend, in your life group, we need to be aware and understand what forgiveness is and what it is not. See, biblical forgiveness does not mean that you approve of what somebody did to you. Biblical forgiveness is not excusing or justifying or even denying or pretending that it never happened, that it wasn't bad. Biblical forgiveness is not forgetting or even ignoring the pain. Often in times we lean into the pain and we find Christ's presence in the middle of that pain. Biblical forgiveness is not always about reconciliation. Because often it takes two people to be reconciled. One person to forgive and two to be reconciled. And sometimes that reconciliation is unwise and not possible. Biblical forgiveness is not also waiting for an emotion to move us until it feels right to do it. No, biblical forgiveness is this. It's based on the understanding of how God treated us. That our motivation is God forgave me, that he closed the books on me. Biblical forgiveness is being aware of what someone has done and still forgiving them. It's yielding your right to retaliation, to get even, and trusting in God's eternal, wise justice. I'm so thankful that justice lies in the hands of God and not in my brokenness. Biblical forgiveness is an act of the will in cooperation with the grace of God and his Holy Spirit to only do what God has done for me. As God says, you owe, I pay. Biblical forgiveness is releasing the burden of revenge and laying it into the hands, the just hands of a God who is sovereign and who is good. So friends today, we are wise when we don't jump towards the offenses of others and when we don't jump towards a desire bent on revenge and justice for others. But when we first look inward, when we first ask the question of God, where is the pride in my heart that's preventing me from seeing my brokenness? God, where am I harboring unforgiveness and demanding justice for others while underappreciating all that you've done for me? God, where are the areas in my life that I need you to transform me, to reshape me, to better have an understanding of what you've done for me, which impacts the way that I live for others. God, search me, know me, unroot the pride, unroot the unforgiveness, that I might be wise. Now, the journey of unforgiveness is so often not a quick and easy one. We have to acknowledge that, that there are things that we all carry. That was not God's intention. But we also know that God takes the evil and the brokenness of our world and our lives and he heals it, he redeems it, he uses it for his glory. And we are wise when we invite him into those spaces. 
when we invite him to search us, to not just uproot the struggle of pride, but to uproot the struggle of bitterness and unforgiveness. Not in a trivial sense. This is a a real thing that many of us experience. And our faith is real. And we invite God into these real places of unrest, into these real places of difficulty. And that's wise living. Wise living is not trying to figure it out on our own. Wise living is not pretending that everything's okay. Wise living is aligning ourselves with the transformational power of Jesus Christ to change us and to heal us. So this week, would you invite him in? Invite him to search you, to know you, and to transform you. Thanks so much for allowing us to be a part of your day. Please be sure to subscribe and share. You can tune in tomorrow for fresh new content. And remember, no matter what happens, there is unlimited grace for us today because of who Jesus is and what he has done. For questions about service times and more, you can access all information about Mariner's Church by downloading the Mariner's app at your favorite app store, visiting the website at marinerschurch.org, or by finding us on Instagram, Instagram handle Mariner's Church. Till next time, have a great day.